Elizabeth, and I, I hope it helped you get in touch with Christmas and the truth of Christmas and the truth behind Christmas. I hope it helped you understand that Christmas in many ways is about the extraordinary happening to the ordinary. Elizabeth and Zacharias were ordinary people, just like you and me, normal people with the normal struggles and aspects of life that we all face, yet the extraordinary God himself came into their lives and, and touched them and did extraordinary things. What I want to do in looking at the Scriptures t- uh, this evening is just look at that idea of the extraordinary encountering the ordinary, of the extraordinary transforming the ordinary. So I'm going to read a story that, of course, I imagine many of us have heard, the Christmas story, but I want you to listen for two things in the story, the ordinary and the extraordinary. And then we'll take time to dig into it and learn how the extraordinary transforms the ordinary in Christmas. But let's pray and ask God to bless the reading and hearing of His Word. Lord, we ask You to show Yourself in all of Your glory. You are extraordinary. And Lord, we are ordinary. And we want to see You. And we want You to fill our Christmas. We want You to fill our worship in our lives. So show Yourself through Your Word. Give me grace to serve You and and these precious people here to that end. We ask in Christ's name, Amen. I'm going to read in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. And you can follow along on the overhead uh, or just listen. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in that same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary, and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. God's words from 
Luke chapter 2. This is a story full of ordinary people in ordinary situations, really from beginning to end. We meet in the story Mary and Joseph, and they are ordinary people. They come from a, a small town called Nazareth, a, a really uh, unknown town, maybe a thousand people, more likely maybe 400, just a small village. And they have to leave Nazareth, their, their town where they're living, and, and travel to Bethlehem. And they have to do that because the federal government is requiring them to go so that they can do a census so they can tax them appropriately. Now, I can't think of a more ordinary thing than a young couple from a small town struggling with the realities of paying taxes. That's what's going on here. It's a very ordinary story. We have in the story shepherds out in the field. Uh, shepherding was the basic job of that economy. It was the basic job that that kind of was the backbone of the economy. It wasn't a special job. It was a very plain, kind of you know, bottom of the rung sort of job. Just an essential job that was important for the economy. Nothing fancy about being a shepherd. And these are shepherds out in the field. So think just, just kind of common everyday workers. I don't know, factory workers of today perhaps, something like that. Just, just kind of regular working class folks out in the field. Mary and Joseph are so ordinary uh, that they, when they get to Bethlehem and there's no more room at the end, they're forced to be in basically a barn and, and the baby's placed in a manger as we know from the, the manger scenes. They're ordinary people. They have no recourse to not having room at the end. They, they can't, they can't you know, pull rank in any way. They can't threaten to sue. You know, we're going to get our lawyer on you because you're not giving us a place in the end. I, I know there's got to be space somewhere in the end. They, they can't even write a, a bad review on Yelp. They can't do anything. They just have to deal with the circumstances and take the best that they can get. They're, they're, they're ordinary. And that's really the backdrop to the story. Um, if the story were a painting, the, there'd be a background color. Just an ordinary color. I don't know, black or white or whatever. Just a basic background to this whole story that speaks of ordinary people. People like you and me. Now there's good reason in this. This, this isn't just kind of a you know, random part of the story. Matter of fact, if you go on to read the rest of Luke, you'll encounter many ordinary people who recognize their ordinariness and their need in, in an extraordinary Savior in the form of an ordinary man encountering all sorts of people. The whole storyline of Luke is this way. And that is God's intention because the reality, guys, is that we're all pretty much ordinary. Now, I don't mean that as an insult. I know that we have in our background, maybe you grew up in the days of Mr. Rogers, and you know that you are special. You're the only one. There's no one else like you, right? Uh, Barney says something like that too. I might be getting those mixed up, but we have Mr. Rogers, we have Barney, and we grow up with those statements that we're extraordinary. But it doesn't take too long, right, to rec recognize like, well, we're pretty much all ordinary. I mean, not that we're unloved or anything, but we're just not necessarily extraordinary. Statistically, this is proven out too, by the way. Most people in our country, the vast majority of people are middle class. 75% of our country is middle class. 24% would be lower class. And only 1%, a very small amount, would be truly upper class. So most of us aren't wealthy. We're just kind of middle class, somewhere in the middle class. Does anyone know what the median IQ is? It's 100. And... 95% of the population are within 25 to 30 points of 100. That's mostly everybody. Actually, two-thirds of the population are within 15 points of 100. 
So most people just have kind of an, an average IQ. That's just the reality. Um, there's lots of other stats. Maybe you, you think, well, I'm an extraordinary athlete. Well, I don't know. Um, only about 1% to 2% of high school athletes go on to Division I sports, and only 1% of those or so go on to professional sports. So that means that 99.99% of the population are either just average or even bad athletes. So you might be somewhere higher on that, that spectrum, but you're more or less ordinary. Uh, I could go on. <laughs> um, only about 5% of the population has the physical makeup to be a professional model. Only 5%. Um, the 95% of the rest of us are just normal, average people. The average female model is 5'10", 110 pounds, just so you know kind of what the specifics are. The average male model has 5% body fat. The average woman is 5'4", 140, not 5'10", 110. And the average man does not have 5% body fat. The average man is somewhere from 20 to maybe 40% body fat. So guys, give up all your hopes of that corrugated stomach and just accept that you're ordinary. But you know what? The people in the story are ordinary. And more than that, actually, God Himself became a man and became an ordinary man. It says in Isaiah 53.2, using actually the contemporary English version, speaking of Jesus, it says, He was no handsome king. He wasn't an obvious king and He wasn't handsome. There was nothing about Jesus that made us say, whoa, someone extraordinary. He was very ordinary. Despite the pictures we see, right? Hollywood, the way they portray Jesus, he's always this, well, it depends. He's either this blue-eyed guy that just, you know, really good-looking guy or, or, you know, a male model sort of guy. He wasn't. He was normal, ordinary person. There was nothing about his physical appearance that made people say, hey, there's a standout guy. He was ordinary in many ways, lived an ordinary life. And, and that is the way of the Lord. The Lord comes to encounter us in our ordinary humanity in our neediness, in the limitations that we're all aware of, all the failures that we're aware of as well. He comes and He becomes ordinary Himself to enter into our world, to identify with us, to rescue us, and to bring us into the extraordinary. That's good news for all of us ordinary people. Well, the story, as you heard, also has much in it that's extraordinary. It's full of the extraordinary, isn't it? You have shepherds out in the field doing their job, their, their tedious work of shepherding. I can't imagine. It must have been, I was a lifeguard when I was younger, and I used to have to watch people swimming. That was very tedious. Never mind watching sheep all night just sitting doing their thing. That's what shepherds did. It was a tedious job. And it was just an ordinary job. They're just doing their job. Yet, yet in the midst of that, an angel of the Lord shows up. An angel of the Lord comes to these guys in their ordinary job, in their ordinary lives, in an extraordinary way. And it's a mighty angel. It's a glorious angel. Uh, it's an angel that would have been in the presence of God, and there's light that shines all around. There's glory that fills where they are. They, they are face to face with something very extraordinary. And they're, they're fearful. Actually, everybody who, in Scripture who encounters an angel is fearful. And yet they hear just about the best thing they could hear. The angel says to them, fear not, for I bring you good news. That's what you want to hear when you see a mighty angel. Fear not, I bring you good news. The angel shows himself to the shepherds. He brings this great news that's to be for all the people. 
It's to be for Mary and Joseph. It's to be for shepherds. It's to be for all sorts of ordinary, needy people. Not just who were living at the time, but for all time. Something extraordinary has come to fill our lives at Christmas. The good news is that unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus is born that evening which we celebrate at Christmas. And He is born to us uh, in the city of David, one who is Christ the Lord. He's a King. And that's what Christ means. He's, he's the Lord. And He's a Savior, it says. He comes to rescue us. He comes and He comes to dwell among us. He comes to live a humble life. He starts His life out in very humble circumstances. It's not a quaint scene. If you've been around animals in close proximity, it's not a quaint scene. It's a stinky scene. It's an uncomfortable scene. It's a dirty scene. That's where He's born. He's placed in a feeding trough. In an animal's feeding trough because there's no place for them in the inn. He's born in lowly circumstances. He humbles Himself. And then He goes on to live this life, this human life that's full of the ordinary, but also the extraordinary. Because there's something that He does that we have all failed to do. He lives an ordinary life, and in that ordinary life, he, He does the things that we're all called to do, like honor His father and mother. Like love His neighbors. And most importantly, to love the Lord His God with all His heart, soul, mind, and strength. And He does that in all sorts of ways. He fulfills righteousness in His life. And, and we know in the storyline that He's not just a man. He's also God in the flesh. And so we see glimpses of the glory of God throughout His life. But we also see a, a perfectly normal human being who is actually perfect in their normalness. And all that good life, all that well-lived life, all that righteous life, He lives and He ultimately offers that life on the cross. It's interesting to trace the storyline. He starts in a lowly place. He's placed in a manger. It's a lowly, humble place. He finishes in a very lowly, humble place as well. He's placed on a cross. And on that cross, He lowers Himself and He takes on the sin of mankind. And in His righteous life, His good life, His perfect life, He stands as our substitute because the reality is we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're called to, to love God like He loved God. We're called to follow God like He followed God. We're called to love one another like He loved one another. And we've all fallen short. And the just response that God must have towards this rebellion towards Him is, is to cut us off from living in His presence. So we all live in a broken relationship with God. And should that continue, we'll live forever. That's the tragic news live forever in that place. But the good news of Christmas is a Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord, who has come to die in our place on that cross to bear our sins so that through faith in Him, through trusting in Him, all of our sins are forgiven. God gladly, gladly atones for our sins, pays for our sins in, in the form of God the Son, and gladly receives us as sons and daughters should we turn and trust Christ. He lowered Himself not only in the manger, but on the cross. So that in receiving Him, we might receive life and forgiveness. And then He rose again on the third day. Victorious over sin and death. Victorious over the failures of humanity. And should we trust in Him as well, we are victorious with Him. Because in lowering Himself, He is raised up. 
And He now reigns over sin and death. And He reigns in heaven. And He will return. And, and He will renew all things. And if we trust in Him, we are so united with Him that we are victorious in Him. We are forgiven. And we are counted as sons and daughters. That's the good news. That's the good news that ordinary people need to hear. That the extraordinary God so loved us that He sent His Son. That through trusting in what Christ has done, we can know the extraordinary. We can know Him in His great mercy and love. We can walk with Him. We can have life. We can be so united with Christ that we die with Him to sin, but we also live forevermore with Him. And can know that extraordinary God each and every moment of our lives. And have this extraordinary God fill our Christmas with much more than just good time, with good food and good family, but an extraordinary, infinite God to dwell with us. If the band could come back up as we prepare to sing some more. Guys, I, I think we all love stories of the ordinary being transformed by the extraordinary. I think we're drawn to this idea and we see it, of course, in Scripture. We see it in books. We see it in news. We see it in movies. Uh, we see it in Star Wars. And don't worry, there's no spoiler coming. Has, uh, I don't know if you've seen Star Wars Episode 8 yet. But in the Star Wars uh, series recently, we see Finn and Rey, and they are ordinary people. And yet in the storyline, something extraordinary happens to them, and, and they get involved with extraordinary things. And I think the draw in, in those characters is it's the ordinary being transformed by the extraordinary. Well, the Christmas story, the true story of Christmas is about that. And you are part of God's story. And He wants you as an ordinary person to be transformed by the extraordinary. So as you hear this truth and hear the truth of the Christmas story, may you be drawn and may you receive Him as your Savior and Lord. And may you celebrate the wonder of Christmas that the extraordinary has come to transform the ordinary. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for the wonder of Christmas. We thank You for what You, the extraordinary God, have done. And that we can know You. That You have become man and dwelt among us to show us Your glory, to lead us to life, and to lead us to everlasting life. Fill our hearts with joy as we contemplate this truth and be glorified through it, we pray. Amen.